Okay. Test, test. Okay. Okay, here we go. Hey there, hola. I'm Martina Castro, the host and executive producer of the Duolingo Spanish podcast and El Gran Robo Argentino, the great Argentine heist, our first special serialized season. Over the last six episodes of the Duolingo Spanish podcast, we have told you the true story behind one of the most shocking robberies in Latin American history, a sophisticated bank heist that took place in Argentina back in 2006. You've already heard directly from the various people who reported on, investigated, and even committed this crime. And as impossible as it might sound to pull off a heist like this one, imagine producing a podcast about it in the midst of a pandemic. Today, on the 15th anniversary of this extraordinary crime, you're going to hear from the amazing team who made this story possible. Our producers, language experts, editors, sound designers, and more. Also, you could practice your Spanish comprehension skills by listening to this incredible story. So this all started with an idea that came from our senior producer, Mariano Pachela. I actually remember when he told it to me, and it just sounded too good to be true and too big to pull off, frankly. So, Mariano, welcome. Hi. Hi. I can't believe we pulled it off. I can't either. <laughs> um, uh, so let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, wh- why don't we tell our listeners the story of how this idea came to you? Like, where did this start? Well, this started on the day of the heist, the that January 13 of 2006, uh, I remember being glued to the television when all of this was happening and all the following weeks and every new thing that was coming up and the boats and how they escaped and how many things they took. <laughs> and uh, it was like a, a really big summer news story. Uh, so I I never forgot about what happened and, and some of the names of the people involved. Uh, but that was just like the the heist, the the thing that happened. Right. The idea of doing a series about this came up in 2016 when it was the 10th anniversary of the robbery, mm. and uh, there were a lot of of news pieces uh, about the anniversary and what was happening with the thieves. Some of them were still in jail and what happened to the bounty, to the things they saw. So uh, at that time, I was already doing podcasts. So I kind of, it it all came back to me. And I said, wait, this could be like, uh, at that time, I thought this could be like the Spanish serial. You know, (laughs) at at, uh, at that time, (laughs) everywhere was, what can be this country's serial? Right. So at that time, I remember that I thought about that. And then I started thinking about it and said, oh, no, it's impossible that I can be able, I would be able to pull it off now at that time. Right. Well, what's amazing about us doing a podcast about this now is that it's now the 15th anniversary of the heist and people still talk about it, right? Like it's like a big deal in Argentina still. Yeah. I mean, uh, for a couple of years, it kind of... of faded mm-hmm. but then uh, last year a movie was made about the about the heist uh, that was really a huge success here in Argentina so suddenly it was again in the news everyone was remembering 
uh, how it was, a lot of, of uh, newspapers did articles about it. So it kind of, uh, of came back alive. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think our audience should know that you were integral to the making of this. Can you please describe <laughs> the crazy job that is being a production manager for a, a series like this and sort of what you think the audience could benefit from knowing about the the intricacies of making something like this happen? Well, it, of course, it was kind of crazy. No, absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, I th- I mean, the audience already knows that uh, making an episode of the Duolingo podcast involves a lot of things, different things that a regular podcast has. Like, you need to interview people, you need to write a script, it has to be simplified, and the, the protagonist needs to record their tracks, You meet, we need to coach them. So there are, like, a lot of wheels in motion to get one 20-minute episode released. Mm-hmm. So multiplying that for this whole series, a lot of characters, a lot of different characters. I mean, we convinced a judge, that is Ariel Apollo, <laughs> that now he's a judge to yeah. be involved in, all, in this whole process. <laughs> so, right, like to record himself yeah, with a cell phone I mean, he, like type he, of thing. He recorded himself <laughs> yeah. in the chambers at the courthouse because he was working. Uh, so he took like one hour off and, and went inside a room and, and recorded all his tracks. Wow. So little things like that happened with all of the protagonists for, for the series. So since you were a part of absolutely everything that happened in the series, um, is there some behind the scenes moment or anecdote that you would want to share with our audience? Like something fun that only you know? Uh, let's see. I mean, so many things happened during the production of this series. Uh, but I'm going to to give one of them. When we recorded the interview for Beto de la Torre, I was also present in all the interviews that, that we made for the series. And the first interview we did, uh, he recorded, him, recorded himself on the phone. And the, the last half of that whole interview, like more than an hour... Uh, wasn't recorded. It was lost. I, he he, he oh touched something on, on his phone and we lost it. Um, and it was, I mean, the beginning of that recording was the day of the heist. So we lost all of that. Oh. So we had to first freak out, of course, <laughs> and, then, and then we had to reschedule with him so he could basically... To tell us again the same things. But the cool thing is that since we had already done it once, he had everything like fresher on his mind. Mm. So the second time, it was so much better. And he came up with so many more details than we had the first time. So at the end, it was for the better. But in the meantime, we had like a couple of weeks when I was, I didn't know how what to do. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's like a producer's worst nightmare and also yeah. best dream at the same time. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Mariano, for all your work on this. This series literally would never have happened without you, without your amazing idea, but also without your incredible work throughout this whole process. Thank you so, so much for being here and sharing it with us. Thank you to you for your invitation and thank you to all the listeners that I hope they, they all enjoy this, this amazing series.
So once the topic of the show was approved, we brought in a team of journalists from Argentina, and Tali Goldman, who's a regular producer at the show, was one of them. Tali, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. So you did the interviews. It was actually hours and hours and hours yeah. of interviews. <laughs> How did those go? So it was it was hard, but I wasn't alone. I I was with my partner Alejandro Marinelli, that he's a, a great journalist, and he covered this case. Um, well, it was hard because it's not the same thing to interview people right, in person, in person. that 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 uh, remotely. But well, we did a, a very good job before to think the questions, Absolutely. to search all the information of the people that we are going to interview because they are journalists, well, the persecutor and the thief. Right, exactly. Actually, I was going to ask you that. H had you interviewed a thief like uh, Beto de la Torre before? No, I didn't. I didn't interview a thief in my life. <laughs> so I was a little bit scared because I didn't know how he he was and how he's going to react. But uh, he was amazing. I mean, he he was very kind. So it was a great experience. And, and actually, tell us a little bit more about how it was different to write these episodes from a regular Duolingo Spanish episode. Well, in the regular Duolingo podcast, we have one protagonist or maybe two, but here we have like five people mm. and each one was very important. So we have to think a lot how to do the structure of the of the episode and who was the best guy or a woman to to tell that part of a story yeah i'm going to tell the audience right now that one of the things i love about um you know it's just a little minor detail but it's a little easter egg is that we finally for the first time after so many stories that you've produced for the podcast we finally get to hear your voice in in this series um and i don't know if the 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 audience will know or recognize but you are the voice of Alicia Di Tullio yeah yeah which i think was so fun um yeah. what do you think is like one of your favorite memories from making making the series the best thing uh, for me, was was listening Rodolfo and Maria because I'm a journalist, so it was like mm. like very exciting knowing how they covered this case and they didn't sleep and uh, they live for this case. Yeah, they're very much heroes of this series, I think. Yeah, and and Maria was a woman, and she uh, she talked with cops and with thieves. Right, and it wasn't right. easy for her um, to to move in this masculine world. Yeah. <laughs> so so that for me was very interesting. Well, I'm so glad we got to tell their story. And thank you so much for your help and your amazing work. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so let me bring in our editor, David Alandete. Hola, David. Hola, Martina. ¿Qué tal? Thank you so much for being here because uh, your role was super important in this series and bringing it all together. Um, you made sure that all the information uh, was accurate, that 
there was a clear editorial vision from the beginning to end, and that everything obviously was told in an interesting and intriguing way uh, so that people were, were hooked and wanted to keep going from one episode to the next. This is so different from what we do in Duolingo Spanish normally. Um, I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about what it was like to weave so many different voices across six episodes with different points of view on the same story. This is very interesting because, you know, like we brought voices that were contradicting themselves. You know, <laughs> we had the thieves yeah. saying that they didn't use weapons, for instance. And then like, you know, the prosecution and the police saying otherwise. And you have to combine these voices and then you have journalists and like witnesses. And it, it was very interesting, you know, because it's almost as if, you know, you're writing a mystery novel. You always want to stay true to the facts, but you also rely on the voices that are telling their, the story, exactly. you know, and and it, it, it really was a challenge. And sometimes, you know, we found ourselves like with two different voices that contradicted each other and we had to actually put the two of them out there so the listener could have an idea of what the point of of uh, view was, you know, and and I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and they, but this is how it this is how it, the story exists in the world today. To this day, it's very controversial in Argentina, and um, you know, to the point of wanting to make it as accurate as possible, we did go through a very rigorous fact checking process. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that and the difficulties in doing that in the middle of a pandemic and all the things we already know that were challenging. You know, it's interesting because as in every major news story, there was a lot of myth. Mm. You know, there were little anecdotes that we thought were true, but they were not, you know, like there was this like amazing story like about how the thieves had ordered a pizza like from inside of the bank and <laughs> right. the pizza was fugazeta, which is like fuga in Spanish means like escape, right? And this was fantastic. And it ended, it, it, I don't know how it ended up in one of the scripts, but it was a lie. So oh. thank God we had a fact checker. And let <laughs> me like, let me actually acknowledge the fantastic, amazing work that Alejandro Marinelli, our uh, producer and fact checker did in Argentina. He's one of the journalists that knows the most about this case. He was amazing. He helped us along the way. He made sure that everything that we did, like we said in the scripts, everything that we included was actually sourced and it was real because there's a lot of myth around this. I mean, it, it's understandable because it's like, you know, uh, it's it's a, a hit for the ages, right? It's exactly. a job for the ages. Yeah. When I talk about the series, I really mentioned a lot the series The Wire because what I love about our approach is that we we really went for different perspectives on this one story. So that even if you heard contradictory versions of events, um, you were hearing it from the various players that were part of that moment in time. And two of the most important voices, I think, that we found were these journalists, um, Rodolfo and Maria. Um, what was it like to work with them and and to sort of represent their perspective on the series? I mean, they were amazing because, you know, they covered the thing from the very beginning. They actually published one of the biggest uh, scoops, you know, about the note that they found inside. This was Maria Ripetta. Uh, it's not common that you had a woman working in the police beat and the crime beat at the time. So this is amazing, you know, that we actually feature a woman doing this in a man's world for sure at the time, you know. Um, and, and it was fantastic to work with the two of them because 
you actually have the journalistic point of view. And the journalistic point of view for me, being a journalist as you are, is, you know, considering all the voices, considering all the points of view, and then like, uh, you know, finding the middle ground in which you can tell a story through different perspectives. And they were fundamental in achieving this. Uh, Rodolfo has an amazing book about the, the job. He's interviewed most of the people involved. Also, Maria did like an amazing research at the time and she's still like doing the crime beat. And, and I just think it was like an honor to work with them, really. It, it, they enriched the final product so much and, uh, you know, uh, I'm very glad that we actually included her voices. Me too. Me too. And, you know, just a shout out to editors in general, but to your work as editor on this series, it's a very um, underappreciated and not very glamorous part of this job, uh, but it's so essential. I mean, you had to go through every script and make sure we were being consistent with even the pronunciation of names, which hopefully we caught them all, you know, but at the end there was still like one little itty bitty uh, doubt as to whether it was Sajo Echeverria, Sajo Echevarria. Um, no, it was Sajo Echever. I see. I still, I still get it wrong. Yeah, with that, <laughs> it was with me. But then, like the the, <laughs> yeah. the funny thing is that the interview with themselves, each one used a different name. You know, like oh with a God. different vowel. So <laughs> it was it, it was impossible. You know, because it, it, that's how Spanish is. You know, you can say Sayocheverria, Sayocheverria, and then like the A and the E get like in this middle ground in which you do, actually don't know what you're saying. And like I, I think, you know, oh I mean, gosh. this is the perfect story in which like you cannot take anything for granted. And the more you know, the more you tend to doubt the story. It's just like (laughs) that type of story, you know? Exactly. And I'm very glad because I learned a lot by editing it. And and, um, it really was an honor and a privilege because, you know, like it's one of these stories that, that, I mean, we still, Martina, we still don't know like where, where the money went, did they use weapons? I know, you know like, it's so incredible. That's one of the amazing things of the story, yeah. Thank you so much for your work, David. Thank you. As with every season of the Duolingo Spanish podcast, we actually had a test run before launching. Our partners at Duolingo were the very first ones to listen to every episode. And chief among them was Laura Maycumber, the supervising producer of podcasts at Duolingo. Hi, Laura. Hey, Martina. So, Laura, you see every story through the process from start to finish. Um, This was different (laughs) than other episodes of Duolingo Spanish Podcast Past. Um, Tell us a little bit about why Duolingo decided to go in this direction um, after eight seasons, go for a true crime season. This is a very fair question because I don't think people always associate language learning with, you know, a true crime series or a a major heist story. Um, You know, I don't think anyone's watching Ocean's Eleven or listening to Serial to get better at language learning. (laughs) Correct. I I think you're probably right. Maybe some people are. Who knows? Um, But so our job on the podcast team is to create the best, most engaging content we can to increase the amount of time people are spending learning a language. Um, I come from a storytelling background and I think really strong narratives are one of the best tools we have to engage learners. So basically we had a theory that if we produced a strong serialized season of the podcast and, and kind of diverted from our normal format, that our learners would be compelled to tune in 
week after week. Uh, and that means that they would be exposed to more and more Spanish. With a serialized show, there are all these different tools you have for engaging a listener longer term. You have uh, compelling characters, so the listener becomes really invested in what happens to them. Um, you can also write cliffhangers into the end of each episode, or maybe end an episode in the middle of an exciting scene, which you know I think we did several times this special season. And the idea is that if you do that, the listener is hooked. And if they're hooked, they're going to tune right in next week, listen to the next episode. And um, that means you're listening to more and more Spanish. I, you know, that's, I think we produced around three hours total of immersive Spanish listening. Uh, so that is a long-winded way of saying, you know, what we went for here was giving our learners the most exposure to Spanish possible. Yeah, and in an entertaining way. I mean, I think that's what I love about Duolingo's approach in general uh, is that in, not just with the podcast, but with the app is like the idea is to have fun. And I'm just curious what you found to be maybe the most challenging but also rewarding part of going down this uh, route creatively. It was a new challenge for both of us. So I, I'd love to hear you reflect a little bit on what that was like um, on your end. I would also love to hear what it was like <laughs> on your end because I, I know it wasn't easy. We're balancing a lot of different tensions, right? We have uh, the, the, the primary consideration is for the learner. We want to make sure their needs are being met, that we're not um, throwing them into something that they really cannot navigate their way out of. Um, but at the same time, to me, the most important that or the best way we can serve our our learners is by giving them the strongest story possible. Um, so what I found amazing was uh, the scripts that you presented us with each week that our group then kind of sat with and thought through and thought through from the learning perspective and thought through from an audience perspective as just like, am I really excited about and invested in these characters? Um, is there something more that these characters could bring to the uh, story that we're missing that would make me feel even more hooked? Again, kind of like we were just obsessed with this notion of hooking the listener so that no matter how hard the experience got, they would say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push through the pain because there's gonna be a great <laughs> reward on the other side for me. I felt like together we really came up with it the best possible version of the story for learners um, that we could have. Me too. And, you know, back to the learning side of things, what were some of the more particular uh, challenges on the language learning side of things to adapt this story into our bilingual format uh, for learners? Well, you know what's funny? I said this a couple times throughout the, the process of working on this, that I actually found that some of our our regular episodes of the podcast were more difficult sometimes to work with you know when when we have um when we have subject matter that ends up veering into like the technical you know we've done stories about science and technology and sometimes we approve a, a story and we're really excited about it and then we get a script and we're like uh-oh there's so many <laughs> technical words in here what how are we gonna make this digestible for our listeners um and their intermediate level of language so um that that wasn't something we really encountered that much of in this series. This is a very human-centered story. It's the downfall is, you know, human betrayal and, and relationships. And so a lot of that was easy to tease out from a language learning perspective. Um, you know, of course, we did have 
words and phrases that needed to be defined that our, our learners are not encountering, um, you know, how to say safe deposit box inside the app. That might shock you, um, but we had to. We had not, to main, not on the main list. <laughs> yeah, no, for some reason it hasn't made it in there yet. Uh, but, um, you know, so there were things like that that really we, we had to pay attention to. Um, I would also say there were certain words, um, or I should say vocabulary worlds, we couldn't really enter into. So for example, the last episode of the season, it's a courtroom drama, right? It's a trial and um, legal language is difficult in anyone's native language, right? So the idea of trying to even translate like what these people were on trial for and what the prosecution was arguing for, like we kind of had to abandon a lot of that and just keep things really simple and, again, keep it focused on the human-centered drama. And I would say the only other thing that we really kind of, like, wrung our hands about a few different times um, was the fact that we were committing to a full season of the podcast with the Argentine accent. And that was a big deal for us. You know, our learners don't uh, have exposure to the Argentine accent inside the app as they're learning sure. the Spanish language. So, um, you know, we wanted to make sure we could help set them up for that listening experience. Um, every country, every Spanish-speaking community has a, its own accent. And so we, we love exposing our listeners to these different accents. But I think committing to a full season of this one particular accent that can sometimes be challenging for a learner um, was a commitment and we just wanted to do what we could to set the listeners up to hear certain aspects they might not be familiar with and then, you know, really encourage them to turn to the transcript if they had questions or weren't quite sure they were understanding something. Well, thank you so much for sharing your side of things in this episode. Well, thank you for being such great partners and putting up with us. <laughs> So as you just heard from Laura, the goal of this podcast and this series is to help you practice your listening skills, which is one of the hardest parts of learning a new language, especially when you get to the intermediate level. Let's go now to Strasbourg, France. Maria Mandeli is one of Duolingo's language experts. She helps us find just the right level of complexity for each sentence that you hear in Spanish. Hi, Maria. You are in charge of what we call the simplification of the show. Can you explain how it works and how you do it? Hello, Martina. Yeah, sure. Uh, so simplification is the process of getting the Spanish part of the podcast down to the intermediate level. What we want is that listeners are able to use what they've learned and understand with some of our help, the story being told. Mm. Um, so how does it work? So basically, I receive the script. I do a first pass where I start detecting complex structures and vocabulary, and then I simplify the language down, following our internally designed curriculum to ensure that the content is appropriate to the level. For example, I take a sentence in a complicated tense, check the tenses our learners already know, and adapt it accordingly. But you wonder why we do this. Well, if you're learning a language, you'll soon want to practice it. But if the content you find is too difficult for the level you're currently in, the experience quickly becomes frustrating. And we want to avoid that because we want to keep learners engaged and we just want them to make progress in the end. 
So we aim at finding the perfect balance between challenging content, because we don't want it to be too easy either, exactly. and content that they're able to follow and understand with the tools they've acquired in their language journey. After that, I hand my simplified version to Carla, another language expert at Duolingo, and she makes sure that during the simplification process, I didn't compromise the natural flow in Spanish. Because as you may know, when you work on something for a while and you have an objective in mind, it's easy to oversee some details. So Carla, thank you very much. Yeah. Let's say that one of the interviewees uses legal terms that are difficult to understand, like cuartada or delincuentes. What do you do then? So basically, um, when we have terms that are very important to the story, what we do is uh, have the Spanish word explained in English. But in this case, we had so many legal terms that it was difficult to do that for every single one of them. But uh, we kind of found our way around it. First, we relied on words that sounded similar in both Spanish and English, and you gave a good example. For example, delincuente in Spanish, in English, is delinquent. So that plays in our favor sometimes. We also tried to describe the word as much as possible in Spanish, uh, in case we weren't able to explain it in English so that listeners could understand its meaning by context. And finally, when a particular sentence was too complicated, we relied on the English to explain the gist of what had just been said in Spanish, so listeners didn't miss a single thing, but still got acquainted with this new vocabulary. Thank you so much, Maria, for your time and for all your hard work on the series. Finally, I'd like to introduce you to Martín Cruz, our lead sound designer who's based in Santiago de Chile, and Antonio Romero, the sound designer and composer of the original music for this miniseries, who's in Austin, Texas. Hola a ambos. Hola Martina. Hola Martina. I'm so happy to have you both here. Um, so let's start with Martín. Um, Martín, can you explain what sound design you and Antonio were after in the show? You guys worked as a team, and I know that this started early. Um, can you describe what the, that initial sort of brainstorming was like? Yeah, sure. This was a huge challenge for us. I mean, this was our first serialized uh, season. So the goal was to have a like a, a cohesive or coherent sound design throughout the all the episodes to be able to feel them as a part of a whole, you know, not just single episodes, but a series. And remember, this was all produced during the pandemic. So it was a challenge to achieve like a, a, a consistent sound in the recordings. And we also wanted to have a, a consistent uh, sound design through the music. And we had the opportunity to have original music composed especially for this show. So that was amazing and a, and a key element to achieve this cohesive uh, sound design. For the untrained ear, it's hard to kind of piece apart exactly what you were going for. Can you put into words what you guys had landed on as sort of like the theme or the, the flavor that mm -hmm. you wanted? Mm -hmm. I will let Antonio go more into details about that. But uh, one thing that we were thinking from the beginning was that this story was like taken out from a movie, right? So we wanted the audience to have that feeling. Like when they were listening to the show, 
they were like seeing a movie. So that's why we had, for example, soundscapes recorded in Argentina and a lot of uh, folly and sound effects and original score uh, to have that feeling like you were watching a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I felt that way throughout the series and I, I hope our audience did too. Um, one last thing about the audio quality you know, it's interesting, something that I think people might not even realize is the care that you both have put into it. I mean, Antonio really literally with his hands treated every single voice. Um, but even when we weren't able to record with professional equipment, um, we would always strive to do the next best thing. Antonio, why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, it was a difficult process to make all this uh, voices and, and people sound in a cohesive way that uh, we had to spend hours and hours uh, doing some audio restoration and getting rid of, of the extra noises and background noises, all the plosives. That's right. I actually want to do a little example for our audience because what's funny is that we do we go to such great lengths to take these out that I'm sure some people don't even know what a plosive <laughs> is. So I'm going to do one right now and I'm asking our producer to not take it out. Here it goes. Plosive. <laughs> it's literally when the air when people speak, hits the diaphragm of the microphone. These are the little details that Antonio has by hand taken out for you, our dear audience members. Yeah, basically <laughs> like like Photoshop for audio. <laughs> exactly, like Photoshop for audio. I love that. That is exactly right. I, I, I want to give credit to the sound mixers that they were like doing a lot of this work, like cleaning the voices, doing fine editing on the voices. We, we did a lot of hard work to achieve like a clean or as clean as we could, you know? Yes, a big shout out to Mercy and Andy who are not here uh, for this episode, but who definitely big uh, contributors to the sound of the show, for sure. Antonio, I mean, you come from a, a film background, and I, I wanted to celebrate that, that we got so lucky to work with you on this project <laughs> because I think the cinematic feel that we get yeah. in this audio experience uh, comes thanks to that background that you have. Um, but you also are a musician. And I, I'm just, I, we, we felt so grateful and lucky that you also wanted and were interested in creating original music for this show. Tell us a little bit about where you found inspiration. Um, what, what direction did you want to go um, to create the sounds that we heard? Yeah, when we started uh, talking about the, the project, Martin, Mariano, and I, we wanted to create a music score with a unique identity. That sounded very Latin American uh, and specifically like Argentinian rhythms would be a perfect fit. So I, I did some research on Argentinian folk music and found a, a couple of rhythms that worked perfectly with that cinematic and modern and contemporary sound we, we wanted to print in, into the sound of the score. And those those rhythms are samba with a Z, not like samba, like the Brazilian samba, but Argentinian samba in Chacarera, 
Hmm. I, I use some samples, but I I played a lot of like real instruments. I, I've been collecting instruments for a long time. I'm, I'm like a crazy music instrument hoarder. So I've, I've been collecting for years, and I, I have a huge sound palette that I choose from when I'm when I'm working on a project. I want to add that Antonio also built some of the instruments that you can hear no way. in this uh, on this series. So, wow, that's yeah. amazing! <laughs> yeah, for a couple of the cues, I used uh, something that's called nail organ. It has nails like really long nails and and you apply like the same uh resin you use for for violin bows and then you rub the head of the nail with your fingertips and it resonates mm. i took a bunch of nails and hammered it into a piece of wood and tuned it <laughs> and i spent like three days doing that and then I recorded and created just for this series. Uh, not, not, not exactly. I, I, I was going to build it anyway, but it it caught me in the, in okay, the process good, of good, good. making my my nail organ. So, it, like again, <laughs> this was a, this this is the perfect opportunity to use this. That's so great. I really i I think that there might be plans on your behalf to put this music out there in the world so people can hear it. Is that right? Yep. I uh, just released an album of the score, and it's already available on every major music streaming platform. Ah, amazing! Okay, well, audience, please go check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes for sure. Well, um, I just to close, I really want to um, just want to thank you guys so much for all the care that you put into this uh, at Adonde Media. We just make it such a big priority that things sound good, and during a pandemic. It was a tall order <laughs> to make it, to put it plainly. And um, I'm just so grateful that both of you didn't uh, throw your hands up and just say, well, this can't be done. Instead, you rolled up your sleeves, put extra effort. And um, before uh, we finish, I'd love to know, like, sort of your favorite takeaway from this experience. So I wanted to give you both a chance to to share. What amazes me is... Uh, the whole process, like from starting to think of this, starting to talk about the music we wanted to have and all the challenges we had ahead of us. That was amazing for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about the result. And I'm just grateful to have the, the opportunity to write music and create uh, the sound design for it. It, it was a really nice uh, experience. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being here uh, to share, to share how it was. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. <laughs> what a show. What a show. I'm so, so proud of what we've already accomplished. But that's not all. We actually have big news today. If you enjoyed this amazing bilingual story... Today, we launched El Verdadero Robo del Siglo, an Adonde original made with the support of Duolingo. It's a mini-series all in Spanish for advanced Spanish learners and native Spanish speakers, based on this very story. But you're going to hear more witness testimony and more interviews than we could include in the version you've already heard. 
These are witnesses and investigators who have never spoken before, giving even more details about this incredible robbery. We'll tell how these thieves actually pulled off the heist of the century. You can listen to it at robodelsiglopodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we launch season 10 of the Duolingo Spanish podcast. We're starting with a really powerful story about a coach in Argentina who's making soccer more inclusive for women. That's next week on the Duolingo Spanish podcast. And that's it. I'm Martina Castro, host and executive producer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hasta pronto y gracias por escuchar. <laughs>